Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor, and this is the Horticulture Week podcast. And today, I'm with Queen of Herbs, Jekka McVicker, Britain's best-known herb grower. Now, Jekka, the Glastonbury Festival is usually held around now, and um, you're pretty well acquainted with it, aren't you? Yes, it was in my village. It was held in Hilton, and my father used to stand at the gate and shout, Hippies go home! pretending to be Noel Coward, which was highly embarrassing. But you performed at Glastonbury, didn't you, Jekka? Yes, I performed at Glastonbury. I played at the very, very first one, which was called the Pilton Blues Pop Festival. And Michael Evis paid us in milk and hog roast. And the stage was made out of milk, milk crates turned up with their boards on top. So if you hit the board at the wrong place, you sort of landed up on the floor. And then I left the group I was in and two years later built the Great Pyramid. And so I was in the group, very first group to play the very first on the very first large pyramid. It was hilarious because half the village was there, including my mother, which was uh, highly embarrassing. But there you go. <laughs> These things happen, <laughs> oh. uh, which leads me nicely into the fact that and now, having run a herb farm for over 38 years, um, I'm having a herb fest. Tell me about the herb fest. So that's at your nursery in Bristol, isn't it? Coming up really soon. It is. It's coming up this Friday. It's really exciting. Um, having been in the trade a long time, and Matt, as you know, I started off as one of those um, exhibitors. In fact, I was really lucky. I decided to exhibit at the RHS after a very hot summer when I couldn't sell my herbs trade, which is what I was before um, I am where I am now. And I, the, no one wanted to buy anything because it was too hot. So the RHS, having exhibited in October, asked if I would exhibit at Chelsea in May. I had no idea when I said, yes, of course, yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> so I had to borrow my friend's horse box to get to London to exhibit. And can you imagine taking a horse box into the Chelsea site? I had no idea. They put the lorries so close together. 
so you couldn't put the tail lift down. You know, the tail, the ramp, there was no room. So I landed up running a slightly late in building my display. But it was from that that really the whole herb farm took off and we became known. If that hadn't been for the shows, I wouldn't be where I am today. Brilliant. Now, tell me a bit more about the festival. Who's on and what's happening? Well, we've got the whole thing about the Herb Fest is the fact that it's all about herbs. It's unlike a flower show. It is actually the herbs are the sort of the glue that sticks it all together. So I've got chefs, people like Nathan Outlaw, Romy Gill, Mark Diacano. And then I've got garden designers like Joe Thompson, Alex Noble. And then I've got people who are really good at eco uh, gardening, like Charles Dowding. And, and then we've also got people like Sally Next, who's into how to grow sustainably. And, and we've got um, the National Institute of Medical Herbalists. They're going to be here. And so we've got everything from, if you like, the table to the garden or the garden to the table to your health. And that's what herbs are. They're completely holistic. It's unlike if I just grew tulips, then it would just be tulips. But this is, this can encompass so much more. And for me, it's very exciting to actually make people realize that herbs not only um, taste good, look good and do you good. They're amazing for the environment. They really help sustainability because my major family in the herb world is the Lamiaceae family, and they attract more pollinators, it's scientifically proven, than many of the other species. And as bees, it's been scientifically proven, uh, all forms of bees, and go to uh, the Lamiaceae family maybe two or three times a day, not just for the pollen or nectar, but to heal, because it's the properties they give off actually heals them and stops them, helps them with varroa and things like this. Well, it's brilliant news that the festival's going ahead. Um, I mean, obviously Glastonbury isn't, but and um, earlier this year you couldn't open at all, could you? And you had to campaign and petition to reopen retail nurseries to the public in 2021 after the government shut them down, but they allowed garden centres to stay open. So what, what's your view on all, all that now? Because that was pretty awful, wasn't it? It was absolutely shattering to have that thrown at us. And everyone said, but you could open because you're zero VAT. But actually, we still couldn't because I looked at all the little little notes in it and I we couldn't open. And I have to say thank you to you for your support because it was... It was wonderful to know that people out there were supporting the small nursery. I mean, we, this herb fest, though, of course, we're running under COVID restrictions like anywhere. So we, we've got half the people that we would have, which will be great for those that are coming. But even so, we are open, as you so rightly say. And that January, it, the way they slipped it in, the way they, that, that this announcement wasn't made, it was just there suddenly in black and white. And nobody told us. It's sort of like Chinese whispers we found out. Oh, how did you know that you can't open? And I was going, what? And, of course, then when you went on the site, you found out. So it was, it was devastating. Um, but, but having said that, I guess it's made us tougher as a nursery. 
you know, having had a double whammy lockdown, because the first one in 2020, that March, what happened was everything got pulled from us. You know, we lost all the Chelsea gardens we were growing for. We were growing for six Chelsea gardens, two, uh, one at Chatsworth and two at Hampton Court and one at Tatton. And that's how I used to make money with a nursery because I'm a, a nurseryman. I can grow plants on time. But that luxury was, and that whole rug was pulled from us and we only got paid by two of those gardens because all the garden designers said, oh, we've lost sponsorship, Decker. So sorry, we got no money. So that was that. Um, but it made us suddenly wake up and realise that what had we got, how could we cope? I'm not keen on mail-order plants, but uh, we landed up doing some in the end, but under our terms, not under anyone else's. So it basically it was I chose the herbs to go in a box, so it would be four culinary herbs, um, Eastern culinary herbs or Mediterranean culinary herbs, whatever I chose. And we would do a limited run of 30 boxes uh, of four plants. And so they sold out. So we could actually then make sure that the plants were fresh, they were really healthy. And I wasn't trying to hold plants on because I've done mail order before and it was an absolute nightmare. But this really worked and we were very eco on our packaging. But really it was the seeds and, and thinking up ideas of how to sell seeds that actually saved the nursery. So um, how did the business do in the end in 2020 and, and following reopening after lockdown? Uh, 2020 was tight. 2021 has been much healthier. We're much more sorted. We're much more agile and we're ducking and diving. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, do you think there's a risk that the government might shut down retail nurseries again? <laughs> I'm going to find every way to stay open. <laughs> there's no way I'm getting closed down again because my business is outside and they've scientifically proven, haven't they, that being outside, you have less chance of catching COVID. So I don't have a, a glasshouse shop. You know, I'm not like a garden centre. You know, I can put up a little um, one of those hat things and I can stand outside with the till and freeze. But, you know, everyone's safe. You know, we've also learned with our open days, it's a much more enjoyable experience for our customers having the numbers rationed. And we will go on having the numbers rationed after all of this so that people can actually have space to go around, have a chance to talk to the staff you know, and get all their questions answered. So, yes, it's, it's you're trying to turn things that were negative into a positive. I find Brexit much harder than I do now COVID. Having got my head around COVID, I've got, I found the expense and the chaos of Brexit quite hard. And I think also substrates, as you well know, I have been peat-free for 30-plus years uh, with my substrate. However, there's a shortage now because everyone else is going <laughs> going into uh, peat-free substrate. So I'm having to duck and dive to survive with that as well, which I've got three trials on at the moment of different substrates which have been made for me because my original one I can't get anymore. So, you know, uh, life's not easy being a nurseryman. 
Well, hopefully the uh, shutdown was just an anomaly and your campaigning has helped point that out to the government and um, alerted them to not do it next time. But um, now you mentioned Brexit, which um, in theory has meant um, an increase in demand for UK grown plants. So are, are you growing more now? Um, I don't think it's that that has put the pressure on us. I think lockdown has made everyone aware of their health. And I think uh, they've also aware of cooking. A lot of people started cooking at home really for the first time since since um, lockdown. And those two combinations, health and food, equals herbs. So yes, we've had an unprecedented year for demand. Um, however, I prefer to sell my plants in two-litre pots because then you have enough to pick and also the plant is well established and will grow away. I found when I first started and I was selling in eight centimetre pots or nine centimetre pots that the plants uh, struggled to keep going. And with weather that we have now, you've got to realise that I've kept um, temperature guides and weather guides since I started the herb farm. And our weather pattern has changed so much. I mean, today, for heaven's sake, I was wearing... Um, my fleece, you know, I was fully dressed up for winter again because it was so cold this morning. It's warming up now. But, I mean, it is ridiculous, the weather. And having a, a seven degrees at night the other night, yeah, that's no good for Basil. But, hey, it is very interesting how things are changing. And I think we've really got to be aware of how plants are going to play such a major role in the future, not just for health and well-being, not just for for eating, not just for pollinators, but also for the planet. Because um, I've been very fascinated by how if you don't dig your garden, you lock in the carbon much better. And so all this kind of thing, we've really got a huge education coming on. Um, sadly, I'm on the old side now, so I'm going to have to hand it over to others and people with a little bit more energy. You mentioned the big changes and, and specifically the substrates and being peat-free. How, how do you manage that? What, what products do you use and do you have any difficulties? How do, how do you keep things, you know, fertilised? How do you think things growing? Well, having always done it, I'm, I'm used to watering. The difficulty a nursery will have will be changing from a peat substrate into a peat-free substrate because the whole watering regime changes. That's one. Two... Bark, as you and I both know, eats any nitrogen. And so therefore, if it's not composted well, it will actually ruin your crop and uh, cause you total chaos. So it's really important that you um, get a feed regime in. And it's, so having got used to all that myself, you know, from heaven's sake, for all these years of, of, of growing plants this way, I think the problem is that we're on a the big wholesalers are on a very unfair cricket pitch because all the European herbs coming or European plants that will be coming back into the UK will all be peat based. So garden centres, if they're buying peat free plants from the UK and then peat plants from Europe are going to have to have two different watering regimes and I don't think anyone's thought about that either. 
Oh, that's a good point. How hard is it to get hold of the substrates? Well, that's why I was saying that's why I've got three a trial of three different substrates on the go at the moment because my mix now I can't get some of my ingredients. So, do you make make your own mix from? from no, I I have I have a company, a, a lovely company that I've worked with for the last uh, twenty five years that um, makes my mix for me. Oh, brilliant! So, is is that a local company? Mm, it's mid England. <laughs> You're not giving much away. No, I'm not. No, no, it's mine. No, I definitely <laughs> see there's the shortages on the horizon because there's a lot of people moving that way when when they see where where the government's going. But it's not uh, just the government. I mean, it's also the RHS is not allowing it into shows and things like this. So it's going to be it's going to be very tough. It's, it really is. I mean, I don't think people realise that you. I think people are being very tough to make people change absolutely change now and i think that is really difficult i mean i don't know how the some of the plants are going to be grown you know they need peat to grow and so you know i'm thinking of hampshire carnivorous and things like this i mean how are they going to grow plants hmm? well i don't know i mean I, th- I think there are some carnivorous growers who use something else but um yeah i guess there's a lot of research that needs to be done you mentioned Brexit as well. What what impact that had on on your business in particular? Well, it's what's interesting is I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a real shortage of seeds, and obviously a lot of the seeds come from Europe, and um, I'm pretty clued up here, and we've been saving seeds because we've noticed that the wholesalers of seeds are dropping lines faster than anything. So there's a real shortage going to be coming on the horizon and you're not going to be able to have some of the plants and also the range has been cut down. Now, one of the big people in, in Europe, Gilito, that they, uh, things have changed. I mean, I, I don't know about the new regs and uh, I don't know where, I don't, they're no longer called DEFRA, whatever they're called, and plant passports and health and all the rest of it. But all these kind of things, and I know that if I wanted to export my herbs which i don't thank you very much but if i did i'd have to get rid of all my mypex because that's considered a harbor of pests and disease i mean how bonkers is that i don't know but anyway that is apparently so now it's all a bit crazy and a lot of change going on so does that mean that your range of varieties might um, lessen or have you got new varieties on the horizon <laughs> my son who runs the business now would love me to um, make my range smaller um, but it's not it's getting far bigger I've been as you know breeding herbs over the last um, 25 years and so I've got some fantastic new oreganos I've gone for flavor and I've also gone for how they withstand the weather because, you see, uh, some of the oreganos are quite brittle, so they can't cope with heavy downpours. And so, therefore, I'm trying to find ones that withstand this weather. And the same with times. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing and selecting ones that will ha- hold their flowers above the crown so that if we do have a deluge, it doesn't push it down, down into the crown and then, you know, get everything to rot. So... Uh, I've got a number of um, times. They've all got my warped sense of humour. They're called Jekka Behaven, um, Jekka Red Eye, Jekka Stepping Time, uh, and things like that. And then I've got Jekka Spice for one of my oreganos and Jekka's Cook's Delight. 
Um, so that's really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I get so excited when it takes me about 10 years from this seedling I'm watching right the way through to sale. So yes, I've got a little batch coming through at the moment. Great. Are you, are you seeing changes in bestsellers or in trends in what people buy? Oh, it's all about flavor. Whoa. Um, as far as the herb world is, it's about flavor. It's about how long the plant lasts and how it looks. Uh, a lot of people are, are really into, you know, times. And I try to say, please don't have a time lawn. It's absolutely impossible. Um, and things like this. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's more flavor. And I'm fascinated also and encouraged by the fact there's a lot more balcony um, growing and a lot of people are growing herbs on their balconies. And uh, so that's been a whole new thing about which ones go, grow well in pots. So being able to advise people, you know, if you've got a south-facing balcony, what will survive that? Because when it's hot, it is hot. Um, just going back to the RHS, you've been very involved for many years. Um, the Science Centre's just opened, Bridgewater's just opened. It's a bit of a struggle for the shows last year and, and this year. So where does the RHS go from here? What's, what's, what's next for them, do you think? Do you think they're at some sort of hiatus? I have no idea because um, I've actually not been on council or committee now for, I left in 2015. So nice. I've been off quite some time, so I don't know that side. Um, but I do know, because I went to the opening of the new science block, oh, wow, that is such a good thing. That really is fantastic. And if it can make people realise the power of plants and the benefit of plants and, and get the young to actually go into that side of horticulture, oh, it would be wonderful. It really would. And also looking at all the new pests that are coming in. You know, I mean, there are so many new pests, aren't there, that have, have come in. And, and I find it fascinating that where I get these trained people who actually can't identify when it's um, thrip or when it's um, leafhopper. Uh, but hey, you know, um, I only know because I've done it for so long. I don't know where you go and go and learn all these things unless you're on a, a, a nutter nursery like mine. Well, that initiative looks like good news for the future. And it looks like uh, your business is in good hands in the family too. But what what are your plans for the future now? What... Mine? <laughs> um, <laughs> dear young Matt, um, I don't think much is going to change in my life. I'm now the propagator full-time on the nursery. Um, so I'm still on a seven-day week. I am hoping, though, because I'm training someone up at the moment, that I'll get some time to write another book. I have a, I really would like to write a book more about, I know that other people have been, but about propagation, about how and why, and also on pests and disease and how you can control it without having to use vast arrays of chemicals. Brilliant. Well, that's plenty to look forward to. So, Jekka. Yes. If you were abandoned on a desert island and you could only take one plant, what plant would you take? The Lamiaceae family. Why? Because <laughs> there's lots of plants. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Excellent. No, right. I, I, if I had to take one plant, it'd be rosemary. Tell me why. Because it's an evergreen, 
It flowers by the sea because you told me I'm on a desert island, so I'd have to have something that was sea happy. Um, it has edible flowers. The leaves you can use in cooking. So if I caught a fish, I could then put the rosemary with it and make the, the fish taste great. I could also make a tea from the leaves, um, which helps you with low mood because I most probably would get pretty low moodish if I was stuck on an island for a long time. Um, and it would grow happily. Excellent. Now that's a brilliant answer. Thank you very much to Jekka McVicker and thanks for listening to the Horticulture Week podcast with me, Matthew Appleby. Make sure you never missed one. Subscribe to or follow Horticulture Week podcasts via Apple iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. Once again, thank you and goodbye till next time.
and um, thanks for listening to the Horticulture Week podcast. Thanks for listening to the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe to or follow Horticulture Week podcasts via Apple iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. Once again, and goodbye till next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.